Okay, maybe what I say. The Chazal say, "Hakel b'mazle talia afilis efetere shebehech." Everything's talia mazle. I come here and I give classes, yeah. When you have a yemet apakerech, vafaran avort. I say avort, but I got a complaint from somebody. <laughs> so uh, the complaint was made by me that okay. If, if Friday had not been on Friday, in other words, it wasn't a Maimer day, I would have done it then. We'll talk a little bit about the Yeshiva's Tem Chetmimim. Yeshiva's Tem Chetmimim. And I'm going to give you a long Hagdama, a long background. Not too long, but a long background. There's a story which I have told you before, I put it in my Shiyurim. I think the story is Mamish, a piece of Jewish history. Not Labavish history, Jewish history. That Samachtarik passed away in 1866, before Pesach, 1866. In the weeks and months before his Histalkos, when Samachtarik passed away, he would call in his youngest son, Bnei Mamalemakeme, his successor, the Rebbe Madash, and he would open up a Medrash Rabbe Shmois and he would read inside. He would read it inside that it says in the Pasuk, Vayamos Yasef. Yasef died, and his brothers died, and the whole generation died. And then it continues of Nei Yisrael, Paru, Vayishetsu, Vayirbu, Vayatma, the Yidin flourished. So the Rebbe said, so the Medrash brings this puzzle. Vayamas Yasef, Yasef died. Vichalachav, and all of his brothers died. Vichaladeiru, and the whole generation, anybody who saw Oir was gone. So it says in the Medrash, Afal Pisha, Mesu Eilu, even though all of these people died, their God didn't die. This was what the Tzamech Tzedek would read to the Rebbe Marash, and the Rebbe Marash would stand and smile. Then he would walk into another room and cry, because the Rebbe Marash was being told by his father, if I may use these oasis, the good days are over. The golden age of Chassidus ends then. When the Tzamechtarik passed away a year before, after all the G'deli Arabeim from the Chassidus, from all the Polish, were nostalgic. And then started the Tzadis. Fifty years later, you had World War I, so you had, you had the Richtik Tzadis. But all, the beginning of the end was then. And the Tzamechtarik was telling his son, what I'm leaving for you. So the Tzamechtarik would read the Medrash, Afa Pisha Mesu Elohim. In other words, the day, the, the beginning of the Tzadis, of the Ikvizah, the Meshichah, you can trace to that. And I'll tell you a second story in a similar vein, but this we can debate. The first story, you can't argue. In the early 1880s, there were a lot of pogroms in Russia. So they had what was called Aliyah Shana. A lot of Jews went to Israel. It was before Herzl and before, Tzi, before Zionism. The name of the movement was Bilu, Beis Yud Lamed Vav, and it was an abbreviation for the words Beis Yaakov Lechu Venech, House of Jacob, come, let's go. Had the Rebbe Marash Nizok, the Rebbe Marash said, if they would add the two words, Ba'ir Hashem, he would join them. If they made the movement not Bilu, but Bilu E, Bilu B, Beis Yaakov Lechu Venech, Ba'ir Hashem, he would join. If the Rebbe Maharaj leaves Russia, 
upon a hater, upon a ziva, upon her daughter. The Abish to leave Russia. The Yiddish had to leave Russia. He made the decision to stay. His son stayed. His grandson stayed. Until they physically threw him out of the country. Why? You don't go into Golos unless you go with chains. The only person that went into Golos, Bukhavid, was Yankov Avinu. After that, you go with chains. Had the Rebbe Maharash made the decision to go to Israel, I say, if you take these two stories and put them together, the history of the Jewish people would be materially different. Very different. Would it be nicer? I have to assume that it wouldn't. Because if it would have been nicer, the Rebbe Maharash would have made this choice. But they stayed in Russia. The problem was, the corrosion of the Jewish world was from the inside out. It wasn't from the outside in. It wasn't like today. The first symptoms that a person is going off the derech are on the outside. How he dresses, what's with his beard, what's with his sneers. Then it was from the inside out. You had people with beards and payas who sat yeim of and learned Torah, and Achman al-Islam, they could smoke a cigarette on Shabbat. I knew a Jew. I didn't know him well. I met him. He gave some labels this one. Label, he, was, he died a few years ago. He wrote a wonderful, wonderful book called I Believe, Ani Maimin. It's a very, very good read. Young people have to read that safer. Senior citizens can enjoy it. <laughs> Young people have to read this book. So he told me a story. He lived in Kovne. Had a very, very large Jewish community, Kovne. Well, people don't know, there's a famous Litvish yeshiva called Slabotke. Slabotke was across the bridge. It was the, the other side of the bridge of Kovne was Slabotke. So he says, he was a child, he was a terrorist. When he was 80 years old, he was also a terrorist. When he was a child, he was a terrorist without any uh, constraints. His father used to tell him, Shahi would get up early, and he can't him. And his father told him, that label, Leipke, called him, don't go down this street. Talking 7.30 in the morning on Shabbos, 8 o'clock in the morning. No, if your father tells you not to go, what do you do? <laughs> the first thing you do is you run to that street. He told it to me himself. This is not I heard it directly from him. So when his father told him not to go down that street, so the next Shabbos, he took it, walked down that street. And he hears a yid learn Gemara from Kol. A yid was learning Gemara out loud with such a sweetness. And he couldn't understand why his father would not want him to see it. Until he came to a yid sitting on the porch on a Shabbos morning learning a Gemara with a cigarette. With a cigarette. You're not going to see that today. You just won't. If you have a cigarette, you don't have a Gemara. The corrosion was from the inside out. So the body was rotting. You understand? And it rots and it rots and it rots and it rots and it falls apart. There was a lot of Tzadis. Yidin had no shortage of Tzadis. And in Russia especially. But there were Tzadis Pnimias. It was the Tzadis of the Yitzchokham. The intellectual, the smart guy Tzadis, the Apokoidis, the philosopher, the Efshanish. That's all it takes. You talk about a Muna Tehera, you make a funny face, you just kill the whole Muna. And this was a disease in Russia. Jews Bechlal are people of the book, and they're quite intelligent. And of course, amongst Jews there are the most intelligent ones. They were the ones learning in the yeshivas. The yeshivas was a collection of the greatest minds of Russia. And there were seeds, and they called it worms, they used to call it. Seeds of heresy inside the yeshivas. So boys were learning, when it came to Pashat, and the Muna in the Mabish, and the Muna in Tehidim in Hashem. 
a lot of them were very severely affected in an adverse way. Rabbi Mendel Marozov Aloshom, he said, Fabreng with us. I was pushed laying in bed last night, replaying a Fabreng with him from Malatere. He gave us, he gave us, he gave us, he gave us something that I can't give my students. Rabbi Mendel Marozov. I pushed it, replay the Fabreng in my own mind of him singing the Nagunim of the Altareb, his father heard the Nagunim of the Altareb from the Rebbe Rashab, and he, every once in a while, he would push it, sing all the Nagunim the way he heard them from his father. And I was reliving this. So that Mendel talked about his own father's uh, coming to Lubavitch. So he said he learned, he learned in one of the famous Litvishi yeshivas. Maybe it was Slabotke. He had a moed in the cup. Chani was a gone. Chani had an incredible mind. And there was a Lubavitcher Chassid who was always snooping around for a kele, for chassidus. Somebody that you could bring to Chabad. And he offered to pay Chani's way to come to Lubavitch for Rosh Hashanah. He came. And during Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe Rashab said one or two maimorim. But it was a hemshech. He, he didn't finish. So after Rosh Hashanah, this guy says to Chanya, come, I'll take you back to Yeshiva. He says, no, 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 I want to hear the end. I want to hear the rest. He, was a, he had a day, very, very philosophical mind. He had never heard Chassidus Chabad. And even though there's a lot of strange language, he was able to keep up. And he wanted to hear. So the guy, he was so thrilled. Chayis, would you mind give me the money? And when the Hemshech is finished, I'll buy my own ticket, I'll go home. He never left Lubavitch. That's his story. That's what Lubavitch. So, the Medletim's detailed that when Chanya was in Yeshiva, all the Bochrim were reading the philosophies. I mean, you're talking now, the 1890s. Everybody read Philosophia. And a lot of these philosophies were very cold, and in many cases, Pashat, heretical. Allah Hashem Mashiach. He says, my tata, Chonye, Chonye, he says, had a Yiddishamayim tivis, from his own, from his cradle. See, the story of Chonye Merozov is really ironic. He was born in Cherkas, which was a chassidish city. His father was a diehard misnagid, and his father passed away. His mother was afraid that because his father had passed away, that the Nebuchadnezzar found sufficient to see him, but then fashikt in Rusland with no misnagid. And little did she know, she went from the kettle into the fire. He was so close to the Rabbeim. So he how mental word it. All the Bach read the pillars of his. The Tate, my father wouldn't read. Oh, but Spinoza late. Spinoza, Spinoza's philosophy is based on Kabbalah. I'm just giving you an idea that if Chanya Maraza, because of a Yiddish only read Spinoza, you understand what the Bach reading. And you're talking about the best minds in Russia. The best. Minds in Russia, they were learning Gemara on a Shas level, on a Babel Yerushalmi level, on a Kalatera Kula level. They were reading these Svarim, the Bichet. I've told you this before that it says in the Friedrich Ebbes Rishimis that the Rebbe Rashab, by his Seder, when he would come to Chochom Mahu Oimer, now we always think of the Chochom in the positive light, that he's a Ben Chochom and he has Yerush Shamayim. So the Rebbe Rashab is given Sakonis every year. When the Rebbe Rashab got to the Ben Chocham, he would start talking about the clip of Seich. And the Friedrich Rebbe said it was hard to listen to. The Rebbe Rashab would go off the handle about these people who are so smart 
and Rahman al-Islam, their intelligence is killing their neshama. This was the, this was the reality in Russia. When Taim Khatmima was founded in 1897, Russia was full of the best yeshivas, the most, the biggest, and by far, by far the best yeshivas in the world. Russia's lite. You read how the Friedrich Ebert talks about how the Litvish, we, we call them today Misnagdim, but they respected Torah, they would give their shirt for a Bentayra. The biggest, and the, the biggest and the best yeshivas in the world and the most yeshivas were in Russia. And understand, Chassidish Rebbe didn't make yeshivas. They didn't. Chassidish Rebbe taught you how to serve Hashem. The, the, the standard operation in Russia, and even in Poland, but in Russia for sure was, if you would be accepted to a yeshiva, and to be accepted to a yeshiva was one out of a thousand. They learned till bar mitzvah in Chayden. At bar mitzvah, most of the kids went to work or got married. Those with exceptional heads would sit in the local shtot, and the rav, and the rav 150 years ago, was not like a rav today, would be your rosh yeshiva. It was a big, big tamid And if the rav saw amongst his chavre somebody who he thought was exceptional, he would write him a letter of recommendation and send it to the yeshiva he had learned. And this boy was the best boy in his whole shtetl. Would show up at this big yeshiva and there were 200 candidates and 20 availabilities. In other words, it was a lot, a lot of competition. The yeshivas had the best minds. And in these yeshivas you had kfire. But you didn't see it. You saw beards and payas. You know, the misnagdim started to shave. But the Khatila, the Mistagdim Achsidim looked the same, they had full beards. And in Russia, the Lubavitches didn't have Langapayas, they looked exactly the same. At some point, the Mistagdim started to shave, which is, uh, the Chafetz Chaim was so unhappy about it. But inside, they were rotten. Inside, they were rotten. So the way it says in the Rebbe, our Rebbe's Rashivas, our Rebbe's journal, that the Friedrich Rebbe told me, I mentioned it on Friday. The yeshiva is from the zachen v'zechav oiz gepoilt of chasene. That's a quote. The Friedrich Rebbe told our Rebbe Zolbe Zanzayim, the yeshiva is one of the things I was able to get from my father for my wedding. It was like a wedding present. What was the story? And again, all of this I'm quoting from the yeshivas. I'm not picking it up. That when the Friedrich Rebbe came to his father, the Friedrich Rebbe was 17 when he got married. No? So when he came to the proposal, he was 15. But the Friedrich Rebbe wasn't 15. The Friedrich Rebbe was 500. The Friedrich Rebbe was another neshama altogether. When the Friedrich Rebbe came to his father with the idea of the yeshiva, his father's first reaction was, Vos, misnagde sheshtik a yeshiva. Misnagde That's how it was. But there was no such thing as a misnagde yeshiva. You have to understand. They were yeshivas. They taught you Torah, Period. The yeshivas were full of Siddish Abachrim. And it wasn't like today, you send the boy to Mesnagdish Yeshiva, he changes his nusach. He cuts his beard, he starts davening Ashkenaz. In those days, all of the, the best boys in Russia, whether they were Siddim or Mesnagdim, learned in these famous yeshivas Valojin, Baranovich, Navardok, Mir, um, what did I mention before? Slabotke. The yeshivas didn't try to influence you. Yomtev, half the Bochrim went to their Rebbe. And a lot of the Misnagdim would go there. He didn't mind. Yeshivas taught Torah. But on the highest level imaginable. Mamish. 
So when the Friedrich Rebbe wants to make a chassidish yeshiva, his father says to him, start a business. All the boys who are learning in the yeshivas, they want chassidish, come to us. We don't make yeshivas. We snag them up yeshivas. And the Friedrich Rebbe said, no, we need a chassidish yeshiva. When you look at it now, you see vision. And I, I, the Friedrich Rebbe knew what he's going to have to deal with. If, if the history of the world would end with the Rebbe Rashab, you wouldn't need Taim Chetmim. But because the history of the world would not end with the Rebbe Rashab, you needed Taim Chetmim. The Friedrich Rebbe said to his father, I, I, I'm sure he didn't say it this way, I need a yeshiv. And his father didn't want. And they discussed it once, and they discussed it twice. His father reluctantly agreed. Reluctantly agreed. And when his father reluctantly agreed, he told him, which means in English you're taking a big responsibility understand what you're taking it's not poshit this is what happened behind the scenes that we know from the Rebbe's journal now the Rebbe heard this from the Friedrich Rebbe in the 30s almost 100 years ago yeah? but we found this out after, the, after, after Gimel Thomas we didn't know this I mean, the Rebbe said more than once that the idea of Tem Khatmim was from the Rebbe Layatz. But then if, when, if, when you read the story of Tem Khatmim that's official, you don't see this at all. What's the official version of the story of Tem Khatmim? And again, I don't think it's a contradiction. It's just two madregas. The Rebbe got married on a Friday. The Fide got married Friday, Yud Gimel El, Tafresh Nun 1897. And I told you this before. I have a neighbor he lives on the corner by me Sterling Street so he had a schus I don't know why that he worked quote upstairs he was close to the Rebbe Tznachamadin and she trusted him you had to earn your way in he was trusted by the Rebbe Tznachamadin and he was in the house and he told me once I was able to go into the feeding of his room and there's a closet and in that closet they had the Mashiach Sefer in that closet they had the quote Chimadan, the famous valise that hold the Ksavma of the Rebbe Rashab and on and on he saw it all so he told me once that the Rebbe Tzachamadina got Mishigasin and I don't mean it in a negative way if she wanted to tell you something but she wanted you to listen to her she would pull you into her husband's office and she told it to you in front of his table. And in her mind, you couldn't refuse her when she did that. If she really meant business, she took you into the Rebbe's cheder and then she instructed you and in her mind, this means the Rebbe's telling you, but not for, I don't know how effective it was, but this was her thing. Another thing he told me was that from time to time she would have these azah, these seductions, these moments. She would go into the Friedrich Rebbe's room, clean it up spotless, and make it exactly as it was before Yitzvah. They used that room. They used to go into that room. They daven in the room. She would make up the room exactly as it was before Yitzvah. She had these moments. And one of the things that she did, he told me he saw this. The Fidikeb was Tayachal limited. He had Ava Batanugim, yeah, the quote the Shia from before. So next to his desk, they had a swivel shafer. It was a bookcase, the height of a desk, it wasn't very tall, that Svarim on all sides. It was a circle, you could spin it. So there was room for a lot of Svarim that the Rebbe could access without having to stand. Do you understand? This swivel shafer was empty. There was nothing in it. The Svarim were put away, I don't know. 
one day the Rebetzin went into her husband's cheder and she made up the room as she would do occasionally and when he walked in afterwards there was one sefer in this swivel shop so he was curious to know what sefer she put there so he looked it was a leather bound sefer hazachreines chele krishna the Friedrich Rebbe's memoirs, volume one, came out during the lifetime of the Friedrich Rebbe. Volume two came out in Tavshin Tezvav, 1955. But volume one came out during the Rebbe Koyachol, Chaim Chayose Balmade. It was a leather-bound Sefer Azachredis, Krachrishn. And inside was an endorsement from the Rebbe to her. Our Rebbe had given her a gift for Yud Gimel El Tov Shin Zayin Yoivel HaChamishim the 50th anniversary of the Chasaneh it said Yud Gimel El Tov Reish Nun Zayin Yud Gimel El Tov Shin Zayin I think it said Yoivel HaChamishim 50th wedding birthday Mit Beste Vonshen Mendel with best wishes and the Rebbe signed his second name so when she made up her husband's room way after the Histalkus, what did she put that her husband should see if he were to walk in? Ah, I, I have a connection to Mendel. That's the story. Anyway, I'm sorry I took a lot of time to tell the story, but I think it's a delicious savant story. Piece of Lubavitch history. Anyway, the Rebbe got married on a Friday. Why got married on a Friday? Because the Altrebbe's father got married on a Friday. And for them, it's given a meaning that the base Arab, if they could, make chasnes on Chayelo. Sunday was Tesvov Elo, Hamish Elo. And the Rebbe Rashab announced that he's calling a meeting of Anash. And I would imagine it was by invitation. I don't think it was whoever wanted. And there were two sugim, two types of people. Everybody came to the chasn. If you were Lubavitcher chasn, the Rebbe Rayat was a Ben Yochid. The Fidikem was an only child. A Rebbe. If you were a Babachi, you were by that Hassaneh. If you could walk, you know. Kosh Yochalal Baragav, you were by the Hassaneh. The Hassaneh was a Shtur of the Kesheva Baruchas. The Rebbe Shab said, Chsidis was a whole week, Sheva Baruchas. The Rebbe once said, What's Chai Yellow? It's one of the Sheva Baruchas of the Fidik Rebbe. Because that's how it was felt. Anyway, by this meeting, you had the Gdoyli Achsidim, that means the Rabonim. I told you this before. In the, in the Lubavitcher community, there were the big five. Like Lahavel, you have. In other cases, the big five. Who were the big five? The Rov, the Mashpia, the Shoichet, the Melamid. And who was the biggest of the five? The Gvir. <laughs> Those were the big five. The Rov, the Shoichet, the Mashpia, the Melamid. The Melamid was the biggest Chosid, but he was the poorest and the most broken, most bitter Dikerit, and the Gvir. The Gvir, Enkleniker. So the Rebbe invited the G'dayli Achsidim, the Rabonim, the Mashpiyim, and the Balabatim, the rich Achsidim. And he told them the following. He says, I am planning to ask you a question. Because I want to hear your take, your, your opinion about this question. But I need you to know before I ask you that I've already made up my mind. I've already made up my mind. I just want to hear how you're thinking about the question. And he proposed to them the idea of making a yeshiva. And he explained to them, there's no shortage of yeshivas in Russia. The biggest institutions of learning in the world were in Russia. The biggest and the best. Mamish the best. Krem de la krem. There's nothing to talk about. 
But I want to make a chassidish yeshiva. And he probably said that at that time, we're taking only bochrim with kenelen and fazir. We're taking bochrim who don't need a rosh yeshiva. They can learn by themselves. And the purpose of the yeshiva is to provide them with mashpiyim. Who are going to teach them chassidis. And v'oid v'hu ha'ikir avoid al derech ha Serving Hashem according to chassidis. In other words, yeshiva was made not for lomdis. There was no shortage of lomdis in Russia. He was going to take Bacharim who in Lomdis, as they say in Yiddish, were self-standing. They already were standing on their own two feet. They were making yeshiva to be madrech and mechanech Bacharim and darkech sidis chabad. This is the idea. Of course, the yeshiva would grow and grow, as I'll explain momentarily, but that was the original seed. And he said, there's no shortage of yeshivas, but we need to have teira tmima, teira with yiddish shamayim. And unfortunately, the Rebbe Rashab understood that the situation in Russia was dire. He had all these big, big, big Talmudic and a considerable number. I'm not going to say a many, but I'm not going to say a roi, but a considerable number. Rachman al-Itzlan, if you took off the outer shell, were rotten. And as soon as the revolution happened, they all showed their rottenness. They became Rachman al-Itzlan, the Yevsekim, the Yevsekia Harura, as the Fidik Rebbe calls them. So... So the Rebbe Rashab makes his proposal and he asks that their opinion. So understandably, it came down on predictable sides. The Balabatim, the Chassidim with money, who would have to pay the bills, said, no, bad idea. <laughs> he said, we could barely support the Rebbe and his family. How can we support the Yeshiva? The Klikoidesh, the Rabbonim, the Mashpim all thought that it was a great idea. And after they offered their opinions, the Rebbe said that I made the decision to make the Yeshiva. And he didn't say the Friedrich Rebbe told me. There was no such thing. And he said, Ten years I'm struggling with this question. Now, I don't know how you say these words. Ten years. I mean, the Friedrich Rebbe gave him the idea when he was seven. It's possible. I'm telling you it's possible. But ten years, the Friedrich Rebbe was seven. Ten years of the I don't, again... I have no, I, I bet myself I don't have any questions. I just don't understand everything. It's 10 years I'm agonizing over this. And I've made the resolution that we're going to make the Shiva. I've heard from, I guess, pretty good sources that the Rebbe Tanchaya Mushka used to say that the Rebbe, my man, as she called him, when he had an idea, would struggle with it for a long time, sometimes for years. And when he was struggling with it, he wanted to hear every reason he shouldn't do it. And he would debate it with people, whoever his people were. I'm assuming it was her. Once a decision was made, it was like moving Everest. It was rock. In other words, until the decision was made, he was so open to having the idea challenged. But once he made a achlata, there was no going back. And the Rebbe said, we're making a yeshiva. And uh, he explained that, this. like I said, in the beginning, they didn't have any rosh yeshivas. Mashgichim. That means people who took attendance and you came to Seder. And the Mashbicham, we can't learn it. The Mashbicham, they can talk to the Bokhrim and learning. But the Ike was the Mashbicham. The Mashbicham. This was Sunday, Tezvav El. And they immediately looked around where they're going to get the first Bokhrim. And by the way, he very shortly thereafter, I don't know how much after, but very shortly thereafter, appointed his 17-year-old son, the newly married Rebbe Ayat, as the Menal Pale. When the yeshiva started, all the Bachrim were older than him. 
They were older. Everybody asked for 17. They were 20, 21, 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were older than him. And the Friedrich was appointed the Menal Pale. That means the yeshiva is run practically, it's the Rebbe's yeshiva. And the Rebbe is the mind of the yeshiva, the Rebbe is the vision of the yeshiva, the Rebbe is the judge and the determiner of the direction of the yeshiva, the policies, but the one who carries them through is the Friedrich. Where they get Bachim from? So the Teres was, in Lubavitch there was always Yoishvim, always. Yoishva means Yunalite, who usually came from Lubavitcher homes, but not necessarily, who were already big Lomdim. They learned in the regular yeshivas, as, as was the norm in Russia. They learned in the regular yeshivas, and they had achieved a certain Shleimus in Torah. And they wanted Avoid, they wanted Avoid Hashem, wanted Chesidus. So it come to Lubavitch. So these guys were in their 20s. Some of them were even married. And they got missions from their wives and they would leave home for six months, for a year, for two. The Rebbe said about his Zayden. Right after Sheva Barachas, he left his wife and went to Lubavitch. And the Rebbe said, I don't know how he did it, but that's what happened. Right after Sheva Barachas, he left his wife and was gone for six months. That was... I can't... She must have been such a tzaddikis. Um But this is a Yeshu. So there was always a handful of Bokharim in the light who were learning in Lubavitch anyway. But they were on their own dime. You couldn't come to Lubavitch. There was no, Lubavitch was poor. They brought, I mean, it wasn't very expensive to live in Lubavitch. You had to rent a room by one of the locals. Who, that's how they made up Anasa. They gave you twice a day. They fed you breakfast and supper. And they would sit in the in Lubavitch by the Rebbe, by the Rebbe Marash, and by the Rebbe Rashab, and before the by the Rebbe Zemachedek, and they would st- they would learn a lot of chesidus, and the Rebbe said chesidus every Shabbos, so there was frisch chesidus, you understand, and this was their whole life chesidus, and the reason was how the chesidus was maybe the day Maise, they didn't just learn chesidus as a philosophy, they learned chesidus as a derech and had a had a serve Hashem, and the Rabbeim were their personal tutors, that was the seder, the yoshvim. But the Rebbe Marash, the say there was that till Tuesday morning, anybody could go in and ask him to try this on the Maimed of Shabbos. And these Yoshvim were very smart guys. They were not children, they were men. Intellectually, they were men. And they would take a Maimed and they would horavan a Maimed. If they didn't understand, they would go in and the Rebbe would help them. And of course, the Rebbe didn't teach them the philosophy of the Maimed. The Rebbe helped them with Avedis Hashem. So these Yoshvim were already there. So from those Yeshu became the first ten Tmimim, ten. Ten Bokhrim. I believe you could say that one of the first was of Zalman Havlin Alavashalam. His name is listed amongst the Yeshim Tafresh Nanvav. The Vidikaba has a Rashima of who were the Yunalite who sat by the Rebbe Rashab before Ten Khatmimim. You could see their names. Khanyamaraz was the first ten. I believe the Rav of Fakhabat, Rav Shneer, Gerela Shneer, the Rav was also from the first ten. And they were sent. To, they were sent they were sent to Jembin to Jembin Zembin they were sent to Jembin why were they sent to Jembin in Das Tachten because the Rebbe wanted a certain Chosset to be the Mashpiach this Chosset's name was Abshmuel Groinim Esterman in the world of Labavitch culture it's called Groinim Shmuel Groinim Esterman 
Grainim would eventually move to Lubavitch. All the Bachrim from that golden generation, they talk about Grainim with unbelievable reverence. Unbelievable reverence. He was the Dhammashpiyah. And he sent them to Jembin to learn the winter of Tafresh Nerches. That means 1897 to 1898. People heard that there's a yeshiva. So they sent their sons. And there became a whole question of expanding the yeshiva. The Friedrich Rebbe, I'm assuming with the direct involvement of his father, talked about it and it was slow. In the beginning they were very reluctant. And when they agreed to take Bacharim, in the beginning they only took Elter Bacharim. Bacharim who really didn't need a yeshiva for instruction, how to learn. They needed a yeshiva for instruction, had a daven, like the Alter Rebbe said, Lenin, Kenach Abyssal, Alter Rebbe's Chayel is coming. He said, I know how to learn a little, I want to learn how to daven. That's why they went to a Rebbe. That's what they say to them. Now of course, just to complete the story, that Sunday they had this meeting, when the Rebbe announced he's making a yeshiva, and they, they went looking. <laughs> they took 10 Bachrim. The Seder started Wednesday. Chayelo. the partisan. the used to say, you study Yeshiva Sunday, start learning Wednesday. And for the Gemara, it took them three days to open up the Beis Medrash. But they opened up the kitchen immediately. <laughs> so for three days, the Gemara Fabrengen. This is Zusha. Zusha was a Adam Godel. Dusha was a real soldier of the Rebbe's Bemis. Anyway, so they started learning Chayelo. It was still the Shevabrachs. But during the winter, after Tishrei, they were sent off to learn in Jemma. And the Fiyadik Rebbe says, well, my father made the yeshiva. Who was the mashpia behei hayediya? Who was the first mashpia of Tem Chetmim? Who was the leader of Tem from my father's perspective? The mashpia behei hayediya was B'chanei Hendel. Reb Hendel, as they call him, or Hendel, Stam. His family was Kugel, Reb Hendel Kugel. I think he came from the city of Kurenitz. Ah? Huh? Grenin was in Jembin, and Hendel was in Lubavitch. Reb Hendel was an old man. He was a very old man. Hendel was Chosef and Samach Tzedek. And Reb Hendel was probably the third greatest influence in the Friedrich Rebbe's life. The first influence in the Friedrich life you have to assume was his father. The second influence in the Friedrich life you can assume was his grandmother, the Rebbe Sinifke. Hendel raised him. The Rebbe Rashab was very sick when the Friedrich Rebbe was a child. Hendel was a giant. What the Friedrich Rebbe says about Hendel is he had an ordinary mind, but he had the heart of a lion. And he says, normally, to have a great heart, you have to have a great mind. A great heart doesn't mean you're very emotional. Have such strong will, such deep feelings. Rabbi Handel in Kot is given Poshet. But in his heart, he was like Mamash, like the Chsidim of the great Chsidim, the Tamach Tzedek style, the Rebbe, was a very big Chosim. And his Avas Yisrael was not normal. And his Avas Hashem, and his Avas Davening. I don't have time to tell you now stories, but the Fidik Rebbe tells a lot of stories about Rabbi Handel. He was the first Mashpi, it didn't last long. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he passed away within six months of the Hesiastos, but maybe he passed away two years. I'm not sure about the dates, but he was not Marech Yomim. You know how he died? There was a fire in Lubavitch. A fire. In, a, in a shtetl, a fire. The whole city, a whole row of houses burned. He was already an old man, and he stood in front of the row of burning houses. It wasn't his house. Screaming, Yiddish Geld Brent. 
and it killed him. That was his Avisrael. Yiddish Gelt Brent. It pushed it, took his life. And Handel. I'll tell you one story about Handel and Tem Chetmimim. One of the first Tem Chetmimim was Chonye Marozov. Chonon Dave Marozov. Who was an Adam Asuyim. He was a. His Rashi Davis, an Al of Dalad Mem. Chonon Dave Marozov spells Adam. He was an Adam Asuyim in Lubavitch by the Rabbeim. He was so close. It was Mamish like the Marozovs were Mamish like family. They lived in the same house. In Rastov, they lived in the same house. Mendel Marazov said I was a child, I used to I play in the Fidik of his room, in his Chedi Yechidit, that was his playground. Mamish Mishpoche, very, very close. They drafted him, he was already 22. Chani Marazov was born two years before the Fidik Rebbe. He was born in Lamed Ches, the Rebbe Reyach was born in Mem, 1878-1880, I think. Anyway, he was drafted. And in Russia, you couldn't play around. And he, he, I told you many times before the Seder Lubavitch was that if you got a draft notice, Simchas Teda Fartog, Simchas in the morning, the Bacharim who were drafted would stand by the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab would give them Eitzis and Brachas, and you knew from what the Rebbe Rashab said what the outcome would be. If the Rebbe said that the Rebbe is all health, and you knew you're going to serve, you, know, you could tell from the different Lashaynis. Anyway, Chani was drafted. He went down to the draft board and they let him out. It was a big simcha. Hendel was much older than the Rebbe Rashab. Hendel was some older than the Rebbe Marash. And he was so close. He was very, very close to the Rebbeim. He was so excited. He was running through the Chatzah singing, Chani is Arois. Chani was freed. And as he sang, he ran into the Rebbe Rashab's house, still singing. He ran into the Rebbe Rashab's room. The Rebbe Rashab was working, which you don't do. And the Rebbe got up. And he put his hand on the Rebbe Rashab's shoulder. And the Rebbe Rashab put his hand on Handel's shoulder. And he went around twice. And then the Rebbe Rashab sat back down. This was Handel. And the Friedrich Rebbe said, Groenim was a maskal nifla. His knowledge and understanding of Hasidus was extraordinary. But he was not the first Mashpir. The first mashpi of Taim Chatmimim was Chanei Handel. Why? Because Taim Chatmimim was created for Avoido, Avoid Satfilo, Abirir Amidis, Primius. The second mashpi of Taim Chatmimim was Reshbatz. Reshbatz was also was an Odom Godel, the Shmuel Betal Sheptel. And he was not just a great heart, he was a great mind. He was a Goan Amiti, he was a giant, Niglanista. The Mendel, Mendel Futafas al-Rasham said, I saw it in a video, that somebody once asked the Friyadike Rebbe if there's a point in visiting the Tzian of a Chosset. Is there an Indian of visiting the grave of a Chosset? So the Friyadike Rebbe said, A Chosset vidirashbatio. In other words, he was a Gehoibinerid. The Shbats wasn't just a Chosset. He was a, a Ruchniz Dikerid. He was a higher person. He passed away in 1905, Samachay, seven years after this Yastas. Hendel was gone very shortly thereafter. But they were the face of, that was the Rebbe's vision, such personality. A third Mashpia, Rashbats was very great. He was the personal tutor of two Rebbes. He was the private tutor of the Rebbe Rashab at the And then when the Friedrich Rebbe became of age, if age means Bar Mitzvah, before Bar Mitzvah, 
The Friedrich Rebbe Rashava hired him to be the personal tutor of the Friedrich Rebbe. The Friedrich Rebbe calls him Mighty Arashbats. The Friedrich Rebbe calls him my teacher, the Rashbats. Mighty Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe is called Mighty Arashbats. He was also a big Tamat Choch. The big guy in England and Chesilis was a big Ovid. And in Lubavitch was a Dover Mesuyim, Van which is in the Rishimis, also never known until now. The Rashbats was Bamsemach Tzedek. I don't know if you know the story. He's the one that was beaten with a stick. And the Rebbe Tzemach Tzedek sent it to Michal Apotzker. And Michal Apotzker sent him with an empty pigeon. He told him not to open it. And he opened it. When he brought it to the Tzemach Tzedek, Tzemach Tzedek took a look and said, You read it, ah? Huh? You read it. It's my Rashbaz. He was the Rebbe Rashab's Madrich. The Rebbe Maharash hired him to raise his son, the Rebbe. And then that Rebbe raised, hired him again to raise his son, the Rebbe. So you can understand, you're not dealing with nothing Poshim. So in the Rishimus of the Rebbe, there's a very poignant story. The Rashbats prepared himself and he went into the Rebbe Rashab to Yechidus. The Rashbats was in Lubavitch before the Rebbe Rashab was born, you understand. He was much older than him. He was probably 30 years older than him. More. And the Rebbe Rashab, the Rashbats had zichmeichen gewesen, like a chosit in Tzemach Tzedek knows how. He readied himself and he went into the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab was in his early 30s. The Shabbat was probably 70. The Shabbat knew who he was. The Shabbat knew who he was. But he also had a shtickle understanding of who the Rebbe Rashab was. And he prepared himself to go into Yechidus. Not Yechidus, halovos machste. Yechidus like a chosid. A pnim is Yechidus. And he went into the Rebbe Nishma Seidin and he gave him a settle. He put on a note, like a chosid goes into a Rebbe. And when the Rebbe saw him, the Rebbe Rashab, it was hard for the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Shagimachtazim. He motioned like, like I, I can't help you. <laughs> you know, I wish I could, but I, in other words, like, what do you, I, I, I. He was so upset at Ashbaz. That the Rebbe would not be makabal to Yechidus. Now, I, you can't understand what's going on in their head. You only know the story that the Fidik Rebbe told. The, the, the thoughts and the feelings behind, there's no way. You can guess, but it's a guess. He ran out the Rashbats, crying. And he said, Ki gershuni Hashem. David HaMelech had to run away from Eitz Yisrael because Shaul wanted to kill him. So he went to Chutlas, he went to Gaza, he went to, to, to the Plishtim in the south of Israel, Gaza. And he cried, he said, I was, I was kicked out of Israel. So the Rajbats ran out of the Rebbe and room, crying. And he says, He didn't take it the way the Rebbe Rashab meant it. The Rebbe Rashab said, how can I give you? You're my Rebbe, how can I become your Rebbe? I'm assuming. But the Rashbats felt that there was a chassarim in him. The Rebbe wasn't taking him to Yechidus. Because he, the Rebbe couldn't take him. He didn't see it as a problem in the Rebbe. He saw it as a problem himself. He says, I was just thrown out of Lubavitch. That's, his, that's in Satan, in very unrefined words. He was the second mashpia in Lubavitch, in, in Teim Chetmin. A third personality I'm going to mention is Rebbe. There was a chassid by the name of Rebbe Michal Rebbe Chor Bliner. 
he was called Reb Mechol Deralter. He was a very old man. And he came from Neville. Neville was a very, very chassidish city. So his name was Reb Mechol Bliner, Reb Mechol Deralter, Reb Mechol Neville. He passed away in Tafresh Ayin in 1910, five years after the Rajbat. He was a Malamad his whole life. He taught children all base. But he was a giant of a chassid, a oivid and a chassid and a, a pnimi. And the Rebbe asked him to move to Lubavitch. The Rebbe Rashab asked him to move to Lubavitch to be a mashpia. So he came to Lubavitch and he was an old man. He was in the 70s or 80s. Years ago, somebody, when I would mention his name, would say that there's a blinet, there's an enichel of his living on the corner, maybe Mrs. Itkin. One of the people used to come to these classes, and if I mentioned his name, yeah, you had to cut of the enichel. Blinet. I, I, I'm sorry I don't know, but he was a very big chassid. Um, no, the, the story with him is that he was in the middle of Krishna, and he saw a bacher, he was in the middle of Krishna with torn shoes, and he called over the bacher, he took off his shoes, his boots, and he gave the bacher the boots, and he took the bacher's torn boots. Um, so I'm sorry, he went and he washed his hands. And if you, if you knew who he was, there was like it's, it's like an ashama coming from Atzilus and going into a, a bar. It was so nishla fiyerke. So someone said, "Mechol mitn davnen." You could mitn krishme, krishme yechudi elon. He says, "Vos is krishme." This was the the shoes of Atomim. This is Yehudi Law. It's a very big chassid. I heard from the Melech, I think, that when he would teach Anila Deidi, the famous Anila Deidi, yeah, he would get to, I know, maybe I heard from Rabbi Shleim Ezarchis or Gazunza, one of the two. I think it's so many years ago, my memory is not what it was. He couldn't teach past a certain point. He would start learning the Maimid. When it got to a point which is talking about tshuva, he became pushed it so emotional he couldn't continue. He's a kumtzidik martin. So they came back the next day and say he couldn't get past it. It was a very great oivit, a big chassid, a great oivit. And then of course there was Greinim. Greinim was young. Greinim was a chassid from the Rebbe Marash. Greinim passed away in 1921, Tafresh He was around 70 when he died. He was by the Tzemach Tzedek. As a teenager, he was by the Tzemach before the Estalkus. I don't know if you know the, the famous, famous story about the Chaim. I've told you the story many times. How once the Tzemach Tzedek said a maimer and he contradicted Eitz Chaim and it bothered Rav Shmuel Ber Barisever, the Rajdam, and it didn't seem to bother anybody else. So he went around to the brothers asking them, remember that story? Asking them Pshat and Eitz Chaim. And the last one he went into was the Rebbe Marash. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. He went by the Chatzar. He saw the Rebbe Marash's window was on. Light was on. So before he knocked on the door, he looked through the shutters. And the Rebbe Marash was sitting like this with Eitzchayim. So he knocks on the door. And the Rebbe Marash says, Where the door? Who's there? I mean, the door opens. The Eitzchayim is gone. And there's a table full of newspapers. International. Berlin. Paris. London, Antwerp, opened up to the stack pages. <laughs> so Shulbet says, Akasha have a problem with Eitzchayim. So jumped to me for Eitzchayim, stacks and bands. Eitzchayim, go to my brother. So Shulbet says, listen to me. You're going to help me with Eitzchayim, but tomorrow the whole Lubavitch knows what I saw through your window. <laughs> I'm not a fool. And they spent the whole night talking. And he said, so the, the, how do we know this story? The, the Marash. So Narizal, it's Chaim from Narizal. Had heard a story. 
Greinim was a young man with a tzemachtedek was nostalgic. Greinim, who would be the mashpi in Lubavitch. And there was war. It was war. Lubavitch was divided into four camps. The, the, amongst the brothers, they were brothers, they were Gdalim. But on the streets, it was Poshet Sakonis. And there were Kpedis from the Rabbeim. Mention Poshet Gishtarbim. He was, I don't think he was 20. He, he was an old enough to, to have a depth and to appreciate that Labavitch was important and Chassidus was important. It wasn't just uh, a political alliance, but he was so f- afraid. So he went to his mashpia. Who was his mashpia? He was the mashpia in Jembin. He says, what should I do? These are the Tzemach Tzedek's children. How do I choose? So I'm not going to tell you where to go. And he told him the story. The story comes to us through Grenim. That Grenim was a young man. He probably was less than 20, around 20. And uh, he was a Lubavitcher Chassid, a good cop. He was a Malamed. He was very, very poor. Grenim was very poor. When he came to Lubavitch, he had a normal job. Until then, he was a Malamed. He used to learn chassidus by moonlight. He couldn't afford candles by moonlight. And he, 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 it mattered to him. I'm sure he was very disturbed by the machlokes, but the ikkiris he was looking for emes. Says my shpeis, I'm not going to tell you what to choose. I'm just going to tell you this story. So he stayed in Lubavitch. Grainy was from the, you know, light from the Rebbe Marash, and then later by the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rashab was meyaked him. But the Rebbe Rashab, he was, the Rebbe Rashab recruited him. The Rebbe Rashab said, we need Grenim. And all of the great chassidim that we knew, I mean, Rebbe Shmuel Levit in the Marshal, he spoke about the Rashbats, he remembered the Rashbats. He probably remembered even Hindle. But most of the people that lived here in America, their mashpia was even Chachafagin. Who was Chachafagin's mashpia? Grenim. In terms of a skull, in terms of understanding Hasidus, he was the he was the constant, and he, he lived the whole twenty years or twenty-two years of Temchatmimim until the Rebbe Rashab Zistalkus. He was the main mashpia, and he taught a lot of Hasidus. He fabrenged a lot, and he gave. And he also was a medrash about Shmuel. He knew most of the stories that we have from the early generations of Lubavitch that are not from the Friedrich Rebbe come to us through various different Hasidim, all of them got from Greinim. Zalman, Duchman got from Greinim, and Falekan got from Greinim, and Yudel Chitri got from Greinim, and Yitzhidemasmet got from Greinim. He's really the, the pipe, the chain. He had two mashpia. The first was Mubeba Rezevi, was a big muscle. And the other was about Avram Kejemen. Avram Kejemen was the Rav. His last name was Landau. Yanka Landau was an Enikel of his. Avram Kejemen was the Jemen Rav. He was a big Chosset. And his greatness, Grenem once asked him, Avram Kejemen, what is your greatness? And he says, He knew a lot of Sipurim. So Grenem had too much Piyim who gave him a lot of stories from the, from the times of the Tzemach Tzedek and back. And Grenim gave it to his Talmidim, and they reported it, and that's how these stories reach us. So he, he, he's very, very important, really, in the history of Lubavitch. He was the Mashpur. Anyway, the Shiva started off in Jembin with ten Bochrim that winter. And came Pesach, 
They were talking about bringing in more bachim. So in the beginning, it was very slow. And in the beginning, it was only elter bachim. But as time passed, the Yeshiva began to grow. First of all, Grain and Poshet physically moved his family to Lubavitch. So the bachim was sent to and moved back to Lubavitch. And they built him a base medrash. You know, one of the sweet stories is the Rebbe Rashab's mother was still alive, the Rebbe Sindifte. And when he was still thinking about making the yeshiva, he went into his mother and said, Mama, I have a thought. I want to hear your take on it. He said to his mother, I'm thinking to make yeshiva. She said, great idea, great idea. So he says to his mother, Mama, yes. there was no money. What are they going to eat? So she said, Vos haste. Vos middle lesson, Velzayas. Her answer was, What do you mean? Whatever we eat, I'll eat. That's it. The Rebbe Rashab used to call the Bachrim the kinder, children. And in the, in the earlier years, I'm assuming when the yeshiva was smaller and the Bachrim were greater, the Rebbe Rashab took a personal interest in every individual Bachrim. Every individual Bachrim. And there's letters and there's known. Yechidism, where the Rebbe gave instructions to the Fiyadikir Rebbe how to raise the Bachrim and so on. There's, there was a very intimate yachas. As the yeshiva grew and grew and grew, this uh, relationship became a little bit more remote. But the Rebbe Rashab saw the Bachrim like the apple of his eye. I told you this before, the Rebbe Rashab, somebody once told the Rebbe Rashab that Teim turned back the clock 50 years. So the Rebbe Rashab said with a smile, A hundred years, which means the time of the Alter Rebbe, and maybe more. The, the, I heard from my Mashpiyam that the Fidika was in Etisrael. The Fidika was in Etisrael in 1929. And there was a Mesiba. There was a gathering of Elter It was There's a letter from the Fidika Rebbe to his youngest daughter, Shandl, where he describes how he felt during those few hours. He was in Ganeiden, he says. His, all of his tzadahs were gone. Because he was looking at these old Hasidim and he was seeing his great grandfather and his grandfather and his uncles and his. So during this Fabreng, you know, during one of these Fabreng initiatives, one of the Hasidim started talking about the Rebbe Rashab and the Rebbe Rashab's moifsim, the Rebbe Rashab's miracles. So the Friedrich Rebbe interrupted him. The greatest miracle of my father with the Bochrim of Yeshiva's Temchitmim. It was, it was a level of not just Torah, but the of Avoidah that was way after its time. This kind of Avoidah Hashem was true by Chveis, by the Tzemach Tzedek, by the Mittal Rebbe. I read someplace that there was a Chosid named Reb Sheil Ber, Reb Sheil Zislin. He lived later in Tel Aviv. And the Rebbe Rashab told him, I get letters from your Bochrim like Chsidim of the Alter Rebbe. Chsidim of the Alter Rebbe. This was what Taim Chetmimim became. But the Shiva grew. And they started taking younger Bacharim. So there were all kinds of rules. One of the distinctions of Taim Chetmimim was that they provided them with room and board. In the Shivas in Russia, all the big Shivas in Russia, it was impossible to get in. But it wasn't about tuition. You know, today it's only about tuition. They only took the best minds. But the Shiva didn't charge. How the Russian Shivas lived, I don't know. The Bachrim learned yeshiva, they didn't cost a penny, but there were no provisions. There was no dormitory, and there was no kitchen, and there was no kupas uh, bachurim. The Bachrim had to bring money on their own to support themselves. 
for room and board and clothing. And if you need it, God forbid, medicine. The yeshivas didn't provide. The yeshivas, Lubavitch was considered modern. It was so fashlept. It was so nebuchadik. But they officially gave the Bacham a room and board. When the yeshiva expanded, they started taking what they called, they called uh, the Chadorim, they called like the equivalent of high school, the Sifta Bacharim, this the Rabbeim they did not take upon themselves. The boys who joined the Chadorim, they had to make their own arrangements in terms of Achsanya, where they would stay and what they would eat. The Elter Bacharim, the equivalent of post-high school, the yeshiva provided them room and board. And there's all kinds of different tkufas. Lubavitch, during its heyday, had hundreds of Talmidim, hundreds, three, four hundred boys sitting in one room at the same time learning Taylor. Mamish. It was a very, very big and successful issue. Problem is, I'm out of time, and I have so much more to say. So I guess I'll say to the Nakuda, and then I'll stop. If I want to make a Hemshech, maybe I'll... I don't know what tomorrow's schedule is. Morgan is... Labor Day on a parade. So I don't know if she's planning to have a class or not, but maybe, maybe I'll talk tomorrow more. I'll continue this conversation. I'll just say one Nakuda. That... Two Nakudas. Number one. The yeshiva was a little more than a year old. The Rebbe Rashab was going to the last hakofer. The last hakofer is Kodesh V'nei Reishiyah No Racham Acham Natsichah No Hashem V'Rasev Yenu They say Teimech Tmimim Reishiyah No Takif La'ad Hatzlichah No Tomim V'maysa V'anein V'yem Karein And the Rebbe is holding a Sefer Teire And he says Kodesh V'nei Reishiyah No Racham V'chan Natsichah No and he stops. And he says, We made a yeshiva. And we have Bacharim all learning in this yeshiva. But the yeshiva does not have a name. He's holding a sefer He says, So I'm announcing that the name of the yeshiva is Temchet And the Bacharim who learn in her, who behave according to the spirit of Temchet are called Tmimim. This is the first vart. Two years later, also Simchas Teireh, Tafresh Samachalaf, I'm almost sure. So it was, it was three years after the yeshiva was made. The Friedrich Rebbe describes how the Rebbe asked all the Bochrim who had been in the yeshiva first to come and stand in front of him. And uh, the Rebbe, Rashab, spoke very sharp. That the halacha is that when you have a field, a tree, or you plant the first three yards is orla. So the Rebbe said to them, you're orla. He says, the Fidik Rebbe says they were standing there. And the Rebbe is telling them that they're no good. They were so good. But they were the, they were the, the experiment. The learned itself on them. And he describes the haste of Tred. And the Rebbe is talking, Anyway, but the Hemshechtadeh or whatever, not Hemshechtadeh, the Rebbe said the famous Sikha called Yetzel and Muhammad Beis David get Kisses case of the He said why he made the Yishi. And of course he spoke about the Matzav of Yiddishkeit in Russia at that time. And he said, there's no need for Yeshivas, there's so much Teire. He said, but we need a Teire Tmimba, Teire Nigla Chsidis, Teire Watira Shamayim. And the Rebbe Rashab said in that Sikha that the Gemara says, if you see one generation and then another generation, one after the other without a break, that are apakursim, 
that are blaspheming. Like it says in the end of Kapitel Peites, and then it says, So the Gemara says, is one generation. Asher for is the second generation. And then, this is Mashiach. So the Rebbe said in 1900 that there are going to be two jubilees. The jubilee is 50 years. The first Yevil is going to be Asher for The Rebbe Rashab starts to talk about the Apikursi. Jewish intellectuals with their heresy. He said, then there's going to come another Yevon. When it's going to be fine, good, righteous Jews. But you say the word Mashiach. So the Rebbe said, I remember I was at the Fabrengen. The Rebbe said, 85 years, I think it's Memei. He said that this Sikha that the Rebbe Rashab said in 1900 was a Nevoa Bruder. Mamish, to say in 1900 what was going to happen over the next 100 years, and it was exactly what happened. Exactly, Genoi. Exactly how it played out. There was a whole period where Yidin never lost their Amuna and lost their Yiddishkeit because of all these smart guys. It started in the brain. It started in the brain. Not like today. It starts in the Taivas and in the depression and in the abuse. It started in the brain. And then there's another thing. Mashiach became a bad word. I don't know why. They mention Mashiach, then mention Meshuggah as if it's some kind of Kriyad Achman al Islam. And the Rebbe said 123 years ago, or 121 years ago, 119 years ago, that this is the mandate of Taim Khatmim. And that the Bakram will learn of Taim Khatmimim, therein, as the Rebbe said all the time, are Nedes Lahoyer, to to make light in the world, and to be Yesu Muhammad's based on to fight the battle for the coming of Mashiach Sakyan. And the prices get Kleesus case of Ishte. Ishte, that means your wife, he touched Gashmias. You have to be prepared to divorce Gashmias in order to be involved in this Muhammad uh, of uh, bringing Mashiach to Okay, maybe I'll continue. Maybe I'll continue. Okay, thank you all for coming.